Buccaneers fans, Black Friday starts now at Bill Curry Ford. Get an Amazon gift card up to $1,000 with every new vehicle purchase or lease at Bill Curry Ford. Tampa's first family of Ford, a mile north of Raymond James Stadium. BillCurryFord.com is the website. See all the tremendous offers right there. BillCurryFord.com. Proud presenters of the Scuttlebucks and the Ira Kaufman podcast at JoeBucksFan.com. What the heck's going on here? Broadcasting from the ESPN Tallahassee studios in Florida's capital city and in partnership with the JoeBucksFan.com podcasting network, this is the Scuttlebucks on 97.9 ESPN Radio. The Scuttlebucks with Jeff Cameron and Tom Lang is presented by Bill Curry Ford, Tampa's hometown Ford dealer for nearly 60 years and home of the nationwide lifetime warranty for new and pre-owned vehicles billcurryford.com here's espn tallahassee's jeff cameron and tom lang huge way with a dominating performance for the second time this year over the Carolina Panthers. That's a season sweep, my friends. Don't take that for granted. There was a time where Carolina was the bane of our existence. They are no longer as they have been swept in the midst of their rebuild. This one was really impressive. Could have gotten really, really ugly if not for some stutter steps in the red zone. Man, Tampa could have dropped 50-something-plus, maybe 60 on Carolina. Get you some. Yeah, I think this is a game where if you assess Brady throw for throw, he's probably a B grade, not a, even a B plus yeah, or an A. Yeah, he has some highlight moments, right? But then he misses some, I mean, touchdowns. Right, and some of the yardage is going to be redundant because you end up going down the field on drives where Brady misses things. Correct. But, I mean, he misses Antonio Brown, Mike Evans three or four times. He misses. Uh, I'm going to forgive the Antonio Brown one, but not the Evans. No, and then he right. misses Gronk again and... Yeah, and a couple of them are touchdowns. Uh, the one to Evans in the back of the end zone. I mean, Jesus, Tom, where are you throwing that ball? But that's the good thing, right, is that he has an above average but not great day throwing the football. The numbers look fantastic. They're efficient. He doesn't turn the ball over, and the Bucks win big. So that's the good news. Brady didn't have to be at his A-plus level for the Bucks to absolutely paste a division opponent. Well, and I, I like all the pre-snap stuff Brady does. You know, that was one of our favorite aspects of Jameis Winston, and that was inarguable, that uh, Jameis would check in to write protections. He did that in college throughout his career. He's a really smart football player. Uh, I don't want to relive all that. Sean Payton saying this week about Jameis Winston that he's a brilliant mind, a, a, a smart, smart quarterback, uh, and that he picked up the offense in no time at all, and it's incredibly complex. Well, why do I bring that up? Well, Tom Brady is probably as smart as any quarterback that's ever lived, and when we are running things that he's comfortable with, the subtleties of his genius really shine. And I get excited about the pre-snap stuff. Look at the motion down on our own goal line. Uh, the 98-yard run is the highlight of the afternoon because it sets a Buccaneer record. But you got a single receiver. It's Godwin. 
uh, we're, we're, we're running big personnel with three tight end. That's typical goal line stuff for any team. Nothing new there. Uh, but he, he, he motions him before the snap, uh, which ends up clearing the A-gap, which allows then uh, basically a one-on-one matchup. And I don't know about you, but you know this is as old as football. When you see somebody in essence in goal line, and then you recognize whether there's a motion or some other pre-snap movement that creates a situation where the running back, and in that league, just as, just as it is in big-time college football, you're going to ask your running back to make somebody miss. But if your guys are able to get to the second level, that somebody's going to be a safety. So the potential for a boom is... It's instantly recognizable. You you know you've seen it. I'm not I'm not talking down to anybody. If you're a huge football fan, you recognize these moments when they happen. If you've ever been in attendance, it's easier to do because you can see the safeties. You don't really get the safeties in television a lot of times, so it's kind of frustrating. You know, are they too high? Are they single high? What are they? Well, when that happened, and you saw that, and they motioned the backer out of there, and you're thinking, well, if if he makes the safety miss, it's a foot race. And that's exactly what happened. It was a huge moment, an uplifting moment, and good for Ronald Jones. Well, yeah, and if you look at how defenses play that situation, it's not always that the defense matches goal line for goal line. No. You know, typically they'll give you the five-yard line, and then you go to war in second and seven or second yeah. and six at the five-yard well, line. Well, because they know the potential to give up a 98-yard right. touchdown run comes into play. Now, good job by Ronald Jones to do, as a lot of players have done in the past, to use the Jumbotron to be your guide for the people who are hawking down. He had down. to use it pretty early. That he was, did. That was great. He's like... Ooh, I got a refrigerator on my back. <laughs> he did, but that's because he had to run somebody over in oh, order yeah, to yeah, put himself yeah. in position to get down the field. Um, yeah, it's just, this is a week for me where since I do it the other way often, I have to give full marks to Bruce Arians. There's a lot of things he did and a lot of buttons he pushed that were mm-hmm. correct this mm-hmm. week. And it's it's great to see. It's great to see because it oh, warms buddy. my heart. After that ass kicking at the hands of the Saints, it's nice to see that you pull the plug on Joe Haig at left guard if Ali Marpet's not available. You slide Jensen over, and now you have a much better situation at center and guard. Jensen didn't, didn't even have anybody to block in that 98-yard touchdown run because of the alignment and the nature of the way that that played out. Well, he immediately got to the second level, and that's a good sign. <laughs> it makes Donovan Smith better as a run blocker, too. I thought Donovan Smith entering the Saints game had been quietly very good at run blocking and down uh, yes, road grading yes, guys. Yes, yes. But then with Marpet gone, you saw Donovan Smith um, suffer a little bit for it. Put Jensen next to him, and the performance again returned to form. Uh, I thought the challenge, or I'm sorry, the timeout with a two-minute warning and the two-minute drill, a shot played down the field for Carolina was an alert move. Listen, I know that it's a very basic thing for a coach to do But in he never moment. gets it right, so when he does, you got to say, bravo. You've got to celebrate it. And then Ronald Jones fumbles early on in this game. He, he keeps leaves in. Ronald Jones yeah, in good there. Job. Okay, Bruce. Okay. Yeah, yeah. guys make mistakes, and if you're going to try to foster confidence, which he lacks, you can't just pull him the first time he makes a mistake. Now, I will say this. I've grown weary of our running backs not being able to catch the football. It was the only thing Shady McCoy was good for. He's a useless player, but he can catch the ball in the backfield. So I guess he's not useless. But <laughs> Well, Ronald now catches it. He just doesn't secure it the same way he would if it's a run. And he doesn't catch it all that often. No. no. <laughs> so, so it's not. There are bobbles. Oh. But Bruce did a lot of things right, even if he did kick, uh, kick an extra point to go up 16. You know, yeah. that's yeah. kind of pointless. Yeah, but Brady looked like he was done. So I, I don't know. You run Gabbard out there because Brady took his helmet off and he's storming off the field, all pomp and circumstance. Yeah, yeah. So what do you do? You tell him, get your ass back out there. We're trying to go up 17. 
I think he knew that one was over anyhow. Just yeah. uh, I know what you're saying, but Carolina was kaput. That was uh, and and Carolina. I think in a weird way had to know they deserved to be down by more had we not had our red zone struggles. Absolutely. Well, and this is something that you could recognize quite early too, given the way the first half ends and then the second half starts. You could see that an avalanche is coming. The Bucks have done this now. They have done this four or five times, depending upon what you count as a scoring avalanche. They've done it to the Panthers twice, first half in the first game, second half in this most recent game, the Raiders to finish the game. They did it to the Broncos, the Chargers after they turned it over late in the second half. What did Brady and the offense do? You were in, in person in, in person attendance for that game. game. Yeah. The Bucks can avalanche you and put up a 20 to 24-point spread in no time. And it's they did it again. fun to watch, and I really loved how aggressive we got on defense again. That's just more of our identity and who we are. That's what you've got to be. Rely on that a bit more than it, the the other zone stuff that we talk about. I'm not trying to do lazy analysis because sometimes zone works just fine, and you can do zone with band principles and all those other things. So I'm just saying that there, there are times we play passive, broad picture, don't do that. That's not who this group is. They're an aggressive, in-your-face, press-man-type group, physical, fast. Uh, it, 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 they wreak havoc. They're big on havoc plays. you got to create those. Well, and, and if you're going to play that way and you're going to drop some guys in a zone, you got to do so while threatening the blitz. I mean, a great example is actually first third-down situation in this game. They're showing five, six-man pressure at the line. They only yeah. bring three, and they drop underneath. It confuses Bridgewater, and it's an easy you-get-off-the-field moment for the defense. Yeah, and they continue to drop JPP in coverage. Not my cup of tea, but he got a pick this week. The so. Ninja Turtle pick. <laughs> Give me three. <laughs> well said. Now, it's important to note as we get set to go into this game, you got a Hall of Fame defensive lineman you're going up against, a guy that can really disrupt your offense to the tune of ruin the Knights game plan, and you lose because of one man. He's that good. That's how good Aaron Donald is. And we don't know Ali Marpet's status. It's a wait-and-see sort of deal. So with Ryan Jensen uh, moving from center uh, to guard and, and Shipley, A.Q. Shipley, uh, holding down the reins at center, you know, that that worked. I don't know that that will consistently work, and so you can't assume because a game was well played here by Shipley that it would be well played. I know he's gone against Arnold before. We'll talk to Lita Kemper in the next segment about all this, but uh, I'd no, want more pet back. I agree. I mean, and, and this is a game, if you look at the way the Bucks match up against the Saints when healthy, Vita Vita, as we've learned, yeah, also, game changer, game yeah. he is because Breeze feels interior pressure more than any other type of pressure. And that's what affects Drew Brees when, and, and of course, we're talking about the Saints at full strength here. That's what affects Drew Brees' game the most. Same thing here with Tom Brady. You don't want to give up interior pressure. It's going to happen, but you've got to limit it. Ali Marpet in the lineup would limit it as much as possible. Yeah, I think so. Final thing here to, to note, since we're highlighting the win and the lopsided nature of the win, and now we look ahead to a high-profile game on a Monday night that we're all pumped to watch and Really big game for the Bucks for a lot of reasons, given that the Chiefs are on the horizon, and I don't like the spot the Bucks find themselves in in that football game. Not enough time to talk about that since we're focusing on this week's game and last week's game. But but I would say this. Thank you, Mike Evans. I'm I'm so glad you're healthy. Uh, it's the first time that I've said it this year that that he looks healthy, I, I, both in person when I was there and then I watch him closely because I like Mike Evans. People who've been listening to this podcast might not believe that, but I try to offset – some of Lita Kemper's fervor for Mike Evans' greatness by pointing out that there are matchups that uh, feature kryptonite against him, and he doesn't show up, one of them, the aforementioned Saints. And then also, there are certain defensive backs in general that play him well, because he's not a 4-3 guy in the traditional sense. He beats you off the line with great footwork and technique, and he is big and strong and fast for his size. But but if, if he's not healthy, that 
off the line of scrimmage movement that that where he beats you, where he sets you up to gain the advantage and then utilize his body with angles and his height and all that, that gets taken away, and he is quickly out of the offense. And this is one of the reasons Brady was not targeting him because, frankly, if you want to stop the film of any game, you'll find a guy at which a time in which a receiver is open and you say, oh, well, the quarterback could have hit him. Look, man, that's completely out of context. What led up to him not even looking his way? How about him not being over fifteen, open 15 plays in a row? Yeah, or what read is it? He could be the fourth right. or fifth read on Correct. a play. Correct. So yeah. I, don't, I don't think that narrative was fair either. They brought it up last week. I'm like, hold on, man. That's not true. And then secondly, Evans hasn't been open for most of the season. No, and one thing that Brady – Brady's still learning the offense, and, and this is something we talked about a bunch last week, is how do you fit all these pieces together? Well, for one weekend, the Bucks reverted back to more of the principles oh, that like got it. them to that point. I love point. that, yeah. And then they worked Antonio Brown in in certain situations rather than the other way around. But if you watch week after week, Brady has backside reads that are wide open. But I'm listen, it's his first year in the system. I don't care that he's the GOAT. It's a brand-new system that anybody who's anybody has ever played this position first year. They struggle. Well, they it's struggle also a hybrid time. version because he's working in a lot of his own New England things too. But I saw growth out of Byron Leftwich too since you got to give praise where praise is due. After the Ronald Jones fumble, that first possession, Carolina scores easy points off of a turnover. First play next drive is a play action mm -hmm. over the top not a run on first down for a gain of one as we see far too often it's a gain of 23 the next play is the open shot down the field to antonio brown wide open and missed okay next play ronald jones for eight yards next play a deep pass to mike evans he's pushed out of bounds 19 yards down the field you're off and you're running good job byron leftwich that's called self-scouting that's called going back and breaking tendencies uh we'd like to see it a little bit more often and more frequent but good job Deserving of praise here. Quickly, before we break and we bring in Lita Kemper, Joe Bucks fan, uh, I like to do something. We haven't done it on this show before. We should. Forgive me for impromptu doing it now, not telling you about it before we begin rolling. Well, I'm ready. I'm I know prepared. You, I know you are. We go back a long way. I know you can roll with the punches. So if you're to look at the NFL the way you do a college football ranking system, where do you have the Bucks? So if this were an AP ranking system, uh, you know, you're going to have the Steelers ahead of the Bucks. You're going to have the Chiefs ahead of the Bucks. You have to, just by virtue of the two head-to-heads, have the Saints ahead of the Bucks, even if you don't believe it, and I don't. Uh, where would you have them in relation to the remaining teams I have not mentioned? Do they come in? Are they the seventh-ranked team in the NFL? Are they the No, they're fifth? better than the Packers. Well, right? we know that. Uh, I like them better than the Seahawks, the Rams, or the Cardinals. I think they're well. They get a head to head with the Rams on Monday. They can prove it once and for all. I think they're a more complete team. I'd have them around four, four or five. Fourth best team in the league. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, they're the most dangerous team. Nobody gets more hot than the Buccaneers do and play complimentary football in short bursts. I got the Steelers ahead of them. I've yep. got the Chiefs ahead of them. Mm -hmm. I've got the Saints ahead of them. Those are all fair moments. Uh, not the Packers. I don't Beat have the, the dogs, Packers. I the don't Packers. have the Bills. I don't have the Colts. I don't have the Titans. I don't. Yeah, that's it. And and nobody in the NFC. I mean, hell, the Raiders are six and three, and they made the Raiders look like chump change. Yeah, and you wouldn't pick anybody out of the East, obviously, since you've already lampooned Green Bay. You can't pick them. Yeah, all right. So Bucks about the fourth or fifth best team with a chance here. This is sort of a battle for that fourth spot here with the Rams this weekend. So that's what you got.
or on Monday. I, I fear this is going to be a bit of a low-scoring game. I mean, it was kind of odd to see the Seahawks and Rams game be so low-scoring. Mm -hmm. it, it was a little bit more high output early on, and then it just came to a complete screeching halt. Which is odd. I thought golf was going to throw for 400 yards against the Seahawks because everybody does. But the, the Rams don't bring a, a bona fide running attack to the equation. Uh, they do some gadgets out of the backfield and sweeps well, and flies. They do flies. a ton of them, yes. Um, I don't, traditionally speaking, I don't see where they're going to beat the Bucks. their offense against the Bucks defense. The question is, can Brady stay protected against Aaron Donald in that pass rush? It's the biggest question, the most obvious question, and the one that we'll get an answer to that will decide the game pretty early on, and we shall see. Should be fun. Lee DeKemper, JoeBucksFan.com, the website, going to join us next. Shopping for a used F-150, a car, or an SUV? Find Tampa's biggest and best used inventory at Bill Curry Ford, one mile north of Raymond James Stadium. Shop now at BillCurryFord.com and see the nationwide lifetime warranty on pre-owned vehicles. Now, here's Jeff Cameron and Tom Lang. Ah, there it is. Fresh off a rocking chair win for the Bucks, 46-23 over the Panthers. It's a good time. It's always a good time, but it's especially a good time after a big win like that and going into a Monday night football game to talk to our friend Lita Kemper. The website, JoeBucksFan.com, always uh, an, an insightful, interesting, fun read. Go to JoeBucksFan.com to find out what I'm talking about. Hello, Lee. How the hell are you, brother? Yes, how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Well, the Bucks do what they kind of do after clunkers. They bounce back and perform really well. The last time they looked terrible, it was against the Bears in a loss that was hard to stomach, 20-19. to 19. They turned around and just absolutely hammered the Packers. And then, of course, we saw the debacle, which may be the worst played game by any team this year in the National Football League against the Saints. And then they turn around and absolutely dismantle the Panthers 46-23 in a game, frankly, where they had done a little bit more in the red zone, could have ended up in the 50s. So now we're uh, set for the Rams, and I love the matchup because you're talking about a Bucks offense that lit it up and looked like they were in sync last week for the first time really all year with the level of consistency going against a Rams defense that presents an awful lot of problems for a lot of people. So the matchups are everywhere. I imagine the uh, website's been humming this week uh, after the Bucks' oh, big victory. Oh, yes, yes, it certainly has. And uh, I've got a couple elements about the Carolina game that will bring smiles to people's faces. Uh, first one is the, the, the Panthers, they've played people tight this year. There's, the Panthers have had three games this year. And, by the way, you, you have to wonder if McCarthy might be Steve McCarthy. McCaffrey is a little bit overrated, Christian McCaffrey, because three games, they're all three and one without him. So it's like, hmm. Supposed to be one of your better players in the NFL. You're three and one without them. But here comes the, the interesting information. Panthers play people tight. So only three games this year have they had games where it wasn't a one score game. They're one and two in those games. They beat the Cardinals by, I want to say, 11 points, and they got hammered by the Bucks both times. Yeah, both times. So here's a team that fights a lot. Every week they fight. They're in the game every week, whether it's the Chiefs, whether it's the Falcons. You name it, but yet when they play the Bucks, the Bucks have hammered it. That's one good thing to smile about. Another good thing to smile about, Chris Sims came up with this information. You know, obviously former Bucks quarterback, works 
for NBC Sports. Yep. He spent one year with the Patriots. He's an offensive assistant. And he was saying on his, he's got a podcast, you know, Gun Buttons. And on his podcast, he was saying one reason why the Bucks were so successful against Carolina this past Sunday, they got back to what they do well. And he thought, Tim thought, that Arians got way too cute for his own good with Antonio Brown. Like, almost like he was trying to force passes, play calls, to Antonio Brown. And he, and Sims said when the Bucks, specifically Brady, are under center in a two-tight-end formation, it's a dangerous offense. He said when Brady gets in the shotgun and the Bucks go away from that two-tight-end offense and they try to be Eric Coriel and Dan Fout, that's when they struggle. And I thought that was very insightful. You know, it's interesting. I, I there there are some things that Tom Brady does uh, in in play action, uh, and he's done it his whole career. That's why he's been so well noted for it. Uh, that is really conducive to him, obviously being under center, uh, and and the mindset that it creates and the kind of offense you want to run. And when you watch it, you do see a comfort in an ease. Uh, the other part of that is, and we talked about it off the air, the offensive line has given him time. They they all they also create that through the run game when it's clicking and it obviously was here but when when they go into some sort of big personnel there with two tight end sets and in the case of the long Jones run it was a three tight end set uh, which is what you're going to do in, around your own goal line I think you're right I, I think you watch the comfort and the ease with which this offense performs it also helps that this was the first game where I thought Evans' get off on the line of scrimmage was consistent throughout. He won his individual matchups each uh, each possession. Seemingly, uh, I, I saw things that were indicators that he's got finally a very healthy Evans running routes again, and that will change who this team is as well. Well, you know what, uh, and you know this as well as anyone, Jeff. When you look at the just the, the bare stats, just the, you know you watch a game and you see the base that and you see well wait a minute they're not targeting Evans there's usually a few uh, onion skins below that stat that will explain the reason why and you may have touched upon one and I don't know if this is true but it sure adds up sure makes sense what you said maybe one reason Evans wasn't being targeted so much although we did see plays where he was wide open and Brady never threw his way in, in recent games prior to Carolina that is and maybe that was one of the reasons that Evans you know Generally, a smart quarterback, if you're open, you're going to get thrown to. Maybe if you're not so open, you're probably not going to get thrown to. And what you just mentioned might be a very, very big reason why Evans has been targeted. So the, the narrative that was leading up to the Carolina game, got to target Evans more, got to target Evans more. And Aaron said that Evans was open, but there may have been some underlying issues there that had nothing to do with Brady and Evans aren't on the same page. So you may have touched upon something that really, really makes sense to me that I'd have to look into a little bit deeper. But that very well could be it, that one of the reasons Brady wasn't throwing Evans' way as much as Jameis used to is that Evans simply wasn't getting separation or getting open enough off the line of scrimmage, like you mentioned. Well, and, and he's been so good at that in his career for his size. It's uncanny how well his mm -hmm. feet you know, work and, and how quick he is off the line. Tom and I talk about that a lot on the show. I went, If you go back and look at his seven catches, it's amazing to watch. He gets separation immediately. There's four of those in which Carolina's in press, and he just beats his man and then outruns him to a spot. So you're watching at that point, okay, there's the Evans we've always known. I actually think, you know, 
it's more than a hunch just looking at the film there. I, I think that's accurate. I just don't think he's been healthy all season long, and that's been my frustration. But people want to create, and I'm not saying you do this. I'm just saying people in general want to create some sort of narrative about why something isn't working. And generally speaking, it shades negative, uh, that there's a relationship problem yeah. or the coach is yeah. mad or something. It could just very well be that the guy's been hurt since day one this year. We knew he was. And whether it's a hamstring problem or an ankle problem, he's had both. We know that. That's awfully difficult when you're a receiver. You're talking about a guy that has to have a burst and a guy that's got to be able to cut and a guy that's got to be able to trust. And then you're talking about a quarterback that has to know that his receiver can do those things. If that's not in line, then he's going to go elsewhere. So I don't think it's any secret there. I think it's just straightforward. Evans looks healthy again, and that's good because we're in a crucial part of the season, and this is a very good Rams defense I know you've had an opportunity, and I saw the stories on JoeBucksFan.com. Uh, I always love to hear players talk about going up against some all-time greats, and the Bucks will be going up against Aaron Donald this week. Yeah, I mean, Shipley, you know, that to me is key. And I, I don't think Aaron planned this out, of course, but it's key that Shipley has experience going up against Aaron Donald, you know, who I think it's safe to say he's a Hall of Famer. He's the best defensive tackle of our age, maybe since Warren Sapp. Uh, so that's great that he's got a lot of experience going up against Donald. And you know what, that offensive line, and I'm not even remotely suggesting that Ali Marpet should be benched. Hell no. He's, he's a pro bowler. But what a difference that offensive line was. Rather than have Joe Haig at left guard, they flipped Jensen over yep. and plugged in A.Q. Shipley at center. Holy cow, does that make a difference. And I give Arians credit. I know uh Last week when we spoke, I said I wanted to see how the coaching staff responds to that awful puke fest that they they had against the Saints. Well, they stepped up to the plate. A move like that, that that I I tip my cap to Arians for that. But yeah, it's great that they have a guy like Shipley come in that can plug in at center, that's got experience with Donald, that can help his teammates out. He obviously Shipley knows Donald better or how to block him better than most other people, so he can he can help out his teammates. That's a key, key element right there. I, I agree with that. Well, for starters, you brought up coaching adjustments and what we want to see. This is the week, man. And, I, and here I'll, I'll speak just solely as a fan. I want the Bucks to beat the Rams for lots of reasons. I'm a Bucks fan for starters. But I get so tired of hearing about the genius of Sean McVay. It's almost insulting at times as if nobody else in football has ever thought about what, you know, the things that Sean McVay does. Now, listen, he's a good coach. I'm not trying to take that away from him. That much is obvious. But I think it's insulting when people try to infer that this will be too difficult for uh, Todd Bowles and company to handle. I mean, come on now. That's, that's, a, that's a bit absurd here. I, I, if, if anything, you just want to avoid the talking points on Monday Night Football which tends to prattle on and be repetitive if something starts to go the wrong way or the right way, in this case for Sean McVay. This is the matchup you want to win from a coaching standpoint. You mean they won't, the, the, uh, uh, the ESPN crew and the producers, they won't have a 10-minute segment in the middle of the second quarter but a guy who's not even on the active roster? <laughs> that won't happen Monday night? <laughs> Holy cow. Uh, I, I'm, I, I'm still like stunned at, uh, at that Monday night broadcast against the Giants. Antonio Brown. Oh, here, uh, here's something for you. You know, we were talking about you were mentioning Evans and his health. Another guy, and we almost overlooked it. Another guy who's now healthy, and darn if he didn't have a heck of a game Sunday. Chris Godwin. I mean, that catch he made 
I believe it was the Bucks' second possession. Mm-hmm. The catch he made, and if I remember specifically, it was a third down play. The catch he made from Brady along the right sideline where he broke, and as soon as he broke, he saw the ball wasn't coming where he thought it was going to be, and he made an adjustment, and Brady threw a fastball right between two uh, Carolina defenders. That was as beautiful of a, of a play as you will see from any receiver quarterback standing. That, that, was, that was prime prime football right there. The, and, um, real man, quickly on uh, that point. A healthy Godwin sure makes a difference. Yeah, I'm sorry, Lee. Uh, it, it, on that point, I, we've come to take for granted, perhaps, how good Chris Godwin is. Not that none of us have recognized it or haven't talked about it. We have. It's that mm-hmm. we know that when he's healthy, he, in my mind, is what makes this offense go. He's that special of a player on a lot of levels. He's tough. He does all the little things, the dirty things. He's also immensely talented, and so when you when you and, and then the role he plays uh, in this offense, all of it adds up to him being the guy that makes this thing go. And it's no secret when he's out, the Bucks are a very different team, almost more than when anybody else is out. And so yeah. when you see him back healthy or healthier and something close to being 100%, you're reminded, oh, yeah, I knew Godwin was good, but damn, I forgot just how good he is. So you see that when he's out there making plays again. Well, I want to give you a chance. I know you always like to, to gush about Ronald Jones, and this is another opportunity for you here. Uh, I'll set the stage for you. I imagine you got kicked out of the booth for celebrating the 98-yard run. <laughs> well, I, I wasn't in the booth, but I probably would have been. And I'm, I'm happy as heck to say I was dead wrong about Ronald Jones. Uh, I, I think most people were. If someone was saying they knew Ronald Jones would be doing this, I think they, they also wait for the tooth fairy to come at night to put 50 cents under their pillow. Uh, but I am so happy to admit I was dead wrong about Ronald Jones. That, that, that 98-yard run was special. And that's kind of what I wanted to see from him. Now, that's it's ridiculous and unreasonable to say we expected a 99-yard run no. or any kind of 90-yard run from Ronald Jones. My lasting issue with Ronald Jones, the only issue I had left with him, I wanted to see him take a run to the house. You know, uh, the first time the Bucks played Carolina, Carolina, Lennon Fournette took one to the house, game over. And I never saw that from Ronald Jones. And granted, Fournette's run was, I think, 31 yards, you know, give or take a couple yards. But he took one to the house. You know, it wasn't a first and goal and a third and goal. He took one to him to the house 20, 30 yards away. And I wanted to see that from Ronald Jones. Didn't expect it to be a 98-yard run, but I was so happy for him to see that. And, you know, right now I, I think it's very reasonable to say the Bucks have a pro bowl running back, the way he's going. Uh, it just don't, This is just an observation. And it sounds like, Ronald Jones needed some sort of therapy because Arians and his division coach, Todd McNair, constantly bring up how he, he had confidence issues. I mean, they always bring it up. No one asks them. They bring it up. They, they introduce it into a conversation constantly. You know, after a while, you were saying, well, Mike Evans is hurt. Mike Evans is hurt. Mike Evans is hurt. Pretty soon you're going to, you know, okay, Mike Evans is hurt. So the fact that these coaches for over a year constantly bring up the road joint confidence issues and maybe still have confidence issues. Because Aaron said, first thing he did when he fumbled last week against Carolina, hey, you're still my guy. Uh, you're still, I, got, I trust you. So I'm not going to take you out of the lineup. Something tells me there was something 
deep, if not darker, issues that Ronald Jones had, maybe dating back to prior to his draft. Uh, but I'm glad he's turned things around. Glad for him. Glad for the Bucks. And when he gets rolling, uh, this this offense, I should say, is dynamite. Just so you know, Lee, I just wanted to do that to have fun with you. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't have a problem with your questioning of Ronald Jones. There was plenty to question. Uh, I never thought he was as bad as maybe you did. Uh, I'm not sure I agree with my cohort here, Tom, that thinks he's great. I think he's just a good running back. He's a, he's an average to good running back who had a great moment. That's good to see. I think he's gotten better though. He runs harder now and more consistently. Yeah. So he can't catch a cold, but he can run the ball. So that's fine. You know, at some point somebody will catch the ball out of the backfield. Even Fournette started dropping balls out of the backfield now. So it'd be nice if we cut, had a running back catch the ball in the backfield but that said in in terms of their primary job of running the football with vigor we have that ronald jones has become that guy hey should be a fun game can't wait to watch it nation will be watching i can't wait to talk to you again next week brother be well oh same here hey you too jeff have a good one all right take care uh lead to kemper joe bucks fan uh, dot com. That that's fine. We'll come back and respond to that, Tom. It was uh, yeah, just good natured ribbing there. Uh, but Lee's good about owning up. Like, oh no, no, you don't have to tell me he's Walter Payton, Lee. He's not. It's okay. Well, I'm not saying he's Walter Payton either. I'm just saying of the three choices that we were looking at in the preseason, because Lee was on Team Shady, and then Fournette comes in. I was always about Ronald because if you looked at the end of last season, his decisiveness and physicality and how he finished the got runs, better. yeah, it got way better. So now yeah, you've got a one-cut guy who's also more physical. I thought that was way better than what Fournette was going to bring to the table, especially as he was introduced into a new offense. But look at it. Who is more decisive between the two of them? Yeah, no, right now it's without question uh, Ronald Jones. And I'm happy for him to be that because really at, at its core, a running back needs to be, uh, you know, a, a one-cut guy. Let's go. You know, put your foot in the ground and run hard. He's a big-bodied guy. You look at him, he's physical. There's no reason not to hit it up in there and make people pay. That was the thing he did when the receivers got hurt towards the end of last season and you know you got guys off the street you've got uh, Hyman and Grayson and all these other guys right but Ronald Jones finished runs and that was a great great thing heading into this year and in camp apparently he was the number one guy this the signing of Fournette muddied the water but a great great move as uh, Lee said to stick with him after the fumble because it's off of a catch it's not off of a run and then they did the uh, the play action call, first play, the next drive, and what happens? Get a shot down the Get field. Get a shot down open. the field. Yeah, Bill Curry Ford, General Manager Sean Sullivan, incredibly serious when it comes to his love for the Buccaneers and Bucks fans. He will help you personally seven days a week. Give him a call, email him, or visit Sean inside that beautiful Bill Curry Ford showroom, one mile north of Raymond James Stadium. Ask for your Scuttlebuck slash Joe Bucks fan discount. Sean Sullivan will do everything in his power uh, to make sure that he helps you everything. That's the family service you can expect from Bill Curry. Ford, and they've been honored by Ford headquarters many times for their outstanding service and care of customers. That's Tampa's first family of Ford for the past 60 years. Get shopping today at BillCurryFord.com. That's BillCurryFord.com. Shopping for a used F-150, a car, or an SUV? Find Tampa's biggest and best used inventory at Bill Curry Ford, one mile north of Raymond James Stadium. Shop now at BillCurryFord.com and see the nationwide lifetime warranty on pre-owned vehicles. Now, here's Jeff Cameron and Tom Lang.
You always have to wait for Lars there. You can't come in before that. All right, big matchup. Intriguing one at that. Can you block Aaron Donald? Uh, Donald? That's where I'm going to start. That's the only thing I care about right now. Everything else will take care of itself if the answer is kind of. Like, you don't have to – you're not going to dominate him. He's going to make plays. Can you keep him in check? Listen, Brady's old. And when you get him to move off of his spot uh, consistently and you affect him in the pocket, this is true of most quarterbacks. It's especially true of a 43-year-old quarterback. He's just not the guy. He's not the same guy. He's not what he's here. He's not the guy that you see make, you know, making all those beautiful throws with a clean pocket. He still has the touch. He still has the arm strength. He still has the acumen, the smarts, the uh, the savvy, and all those things to make a lot of plays in a football game. Uh, but he he certainly is a guy that is um, statuesque. So you're going to have to protect him here. I'd be interested to see formationally what the Bucks do, if they play more under center or if they honor the fact that Donald could blow it up at any point, and so therefore <laughs> you line up in the gun more often. And that's something that, you know, Lee noted that Chris Sims' observations. Well, Brady did run a lot of play action out of the gun he did. In, in New England. It's not like he didn't do that, but I fully understand where, where Chris Sims is going. This offense this year... You saw it. Square peg, round yeah. hole as they were trying. We talked about it all last week as they're trying to install Antonio Brown elements into the offense. You had to hit the reset button. Well, within the course of this game, you saw the base Buccaneer offense with a little bit of Antonio Brown sprinkled in, not the opposite way. The Antonio Brown offense with the Bucks uh, base sprinkled in. It should be noted that um, he's talking about two tight end sets. Man, one of the things that you really realize is that, you know, Brate is still an asset really is still an asset. He's a good football player. Uh, you can He's dependable. He's very dependable. Uh, he's not electrifying as an athlete. And knowing that a guy, you know, you think about the third and 19 play on the leak out and they run the three curls, that's a play where uh, you're, you're basically clearing out to try to make up some of the yards, right? And this is where Brady is special. Uh, the continued, the, 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 the ball padding as he looks downfield and gets people to drift and then finally turns quickly and throws in a spot where a guy's going to catch the ball on the run with momentum, and Brate makes that play, that play's designed to get 10, maybe 12 yards, then it gives you a decision. Uh, instead, that guy catches the ball. It's perfectly thrown and set up by Brady. And then there's the heart and the football player that is Cameron Brate, right? I love that freaking guy. He's always been that guy. He was that guy for Jameis. It's the it's the knowing where the sticks are. I'm four yards away. F it. This is gonna hurt. Let's go. That you can't you know you can't overlook that. And then you couple it with Gronk and where he has come from. I mean you you go back to that first Saints game and you go to where we are now, where they're identifying moments where the safety is on him and it's a one on one and he runs right past him and he's too big and Chin is good and he beat him like a drum several times. Okay, we're still doing things despite Howard's absence on the season with tight ends that really make this offense go. Yeah, if you're ranking Brady's top three throws from the weekend, the first touchdown to Brady's is in that top three. That's oh, perfect. You know, you probably placed the third down throw to Godwin uh, that really helped flip the game. Oh, yeah. I think a third and 14 over yeah. the middle. That's an anticipatory throw and a bullet. It's a laser. Uh, but the Brady throw is really important. That window is the size of a football, and, and Brady hit it. And we, he did this a bunch against Denver. Uh, those types of plays where he lets the safeties in the middle level of coverage drift off and it opens the lane for a quick 10 to 12 yards. And what does it do? You know, worst case, you're punting with 10 to 12 yards better field position. And that's key, especially if you're controlling the flow of the game. Make them 
get up for that extra two or three first downs and put that drive together. Yeah. So, you know, the break play is a bonus. And Brady will tell you honestly how he feels about receivers. He talked about Scotty Miller and Camp a ton, saying that he really likes what Scotty Miller brings to the table. Well, I know Scotty wasn't a big part of the offense this weekend, but when he is in the rotation, Brady hits him down the field with more regularity than anybody else. He also said in camp that I can't wait for Cameron Brady to get on the field. I like him. We need to use him more. Yeah. When Brady trusts you, he will find you. Same thing with Jameis. I watched Cameron Brady die in Minnesota, <laughs> Minneapolis, Minnesota, but he would die for any quarterback that yeah. throws him the football. Well, yeah, he's not afraid. So that's the thing. You can put the ball in a dangerous position and know that he's going to make a play on it. There are some guys, I dare say, on this roster who won't. Now, luckily, uh, you know, Godwin's not one of them, right? He's one of those guys that will go to war for you and make a play on a ball in a tight space that's potentially dangerous. Brate's another one. And Gronk has been that for Brady for his entirety of his career because – I mean, he's one of the best tight ends we've ever seen. Yeah, the injured tight end is one of those that would not. No. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's uh, it's good to see, though. They've got a lot of weapons, and it, you you wanted to see a bounce back. You got the bounce back. It's an important game Monday night. I think the Bucks are going to win it. Uh, I like the Bucks on Monday night. It's a fascinating game because you do have the interior of the line, mm-hmm. so the Ali Marpet storyline. The extra day of, of you know practice and rest uh, I think would be really good, obviously, for Ali Marpet's chances to play this upcoming Monday Let's night. Hope. Um, the move that they made is was great, but you need Allie against uh, Aaron Donald. And then, obviously, where do they send Jalen Ramsey? Who does he cover? That's going to tell you a lot. Is gonna, he going to follow Godwin in the slot to try to blow up some things at the point? Or is he going to play Evans on the outside? And if Antonio Brown's out there, does he take his turn with 81? Does he stick to a certain half of the field? Really interesting decisions to be made for the Rams. I can't wait for that decision to be made because I'm intrigued anywhere you go. I can make an argument for everything you just said regarding where I put Ramsey. Now, last on that list for me, if I'm the Rams, is him covering Antonio Brown. I'm not doing that. But he is going to probably, if I had my druthers as a Rams defensive coordinator, uh, blanket Godwin, I'd change the game that way. I believe that my other corners can guard Evans. It's still a physical mismatch. Evans always has that. But Evans isn't going to run away from them. Godwin changes who we are, and I would like to disrupt that as much as possible if I'm looking at it from the enemy's point of view. I totally agree, and you saw the numbers that Ramsey put up on DK Metcalf this past week. I believe it was uh, four targets, which already is a win. Yeah. And two catches. Two catches. Uh, you, ca- you can see that one coming, by the way. Metcalf is, I know, uh, legendary when it comes to athleticism for his size. Uh, but when you think about his get-off and Ramsey pressing, uh, uh, Ramsey's a unique customer. That's why he's paid. This is also something you talk about on the daily show that we have up here in Tallahassee often. But uh, the Rams on the road versus the Rams at home, two completely Huge. different stories. Well, Goff is a different quarterback. And that's the biggest thing. Go look at golf splits, uh, home and away games, and go look at his numbers. Every number across the board drops precipitously when he is on the road for whatever reason. Now, that may be true of a lot of quarterbacks, but we know this is a league where, especially this season, home field doesn't mean that much. And, and the thing is, it's in Tampa. So it's not like he's traveling to a place that's 20 below. And we saw him affected on a famous Sunday night game in Chicago where he had – no desire to be there because it was like seven degrees and he just looked like a kid about to cry. So that doesn't, it's not solely that he's been bad in all kinds of conditions on the road for whatever reason. He was terrible. He he cost them dearly. Now I know that the numbers end up, I guess, playing out to a degree because they were trailing the whole game and they had some misfortune. But if you look early, he's awful against the dolphins. 
uh, on the road. And so it, it's just he's a different quarterback on the road for whatever reason, and we need to make him uncomfortable and continue the trend. So I'm a little bit uncomfortable with how much I've given uh, Bruce Arians and his decision-making praise this week, but you have to, well, you have to call something what he's right, yeah. I mean, between the timeouts. And here's another adjustment. So he said no practice till today when we're recording this on Thursday. Gave the team an extra day of rest because they're tired. They're beleaguered. The bye week of the season is quite late. Yeah. You've got a Monday night and a short week Sunday. Then finally the Bucks get some rest, assuming that COVID doesn't derail any of those plans. But he's also going to practice at night beginning on Thursday to try and get these uh, primetime game jitters uh, the off, off these guys' shoulders. So good job by Bruce to tweak something on the fly. I don't want to talk about a game that's not even here when we have such a big one on Monday night staring us down, but the Bucks are catching the Chiefs in a bad slot. That is not going to go well. Just saying. Maybe I'll change my opinion. Don't think so. We're catching them at a tough time. Uh, they're arrested. They're coming off their bye right now. They're facing a beleaguered ra- uh, charge. I mean, ra- Raiders, Jeff. You can say Raiders. Raiders team that's got 11 to 13 people on COVID. That's going to be a, a, a rocking chair game for the Chiefs. That's This is not – if you guys like to do look-aheads, I'm just saying. If you like to <laughs> yeah, do look-aheads, yeah. I'm here for you. For Tom Lang, I'm Jeff. Thanks for watching or listening in this case. <laughs> Be well. Go Bucks. We'll talk to you next week. Ah.